0: Hey everyone, so I said on Twitter that I was going to do these little short recordings on my way home from work called Sean's Rambles, I don't know if I'm going to change that name, and the purpose of this is, I mean, it's essentially to use the 10 to 15 minutes on my way home from work for something, I guess, constructive, or, you know, just where I could just babble about stuff, Uh, and mostly to babble about, you know, science fiction stuff, movies, and, and, and literature, and even sometimes things that aren't literature-oriented, uh, and in some cases talking about, you know, maybe some topic that's come up or you know, an event or whatever. Um, and in this case, I just want to talk about two things really quick uh, on my way to the gym, actually. Um, and I this is like my fourth time recording this because I keep going too long. So I want to be super quick about it. And the first thing is I want to talk about the Irene Gallo situation. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on Twitter. It's, I think it's fairly clear that I disagree with the Sad Rabbit Puppy side of this. And primarily because it's been blown out of proportion. Uh uh, so I should say that uh, if you don't know what's happened, basically Irene Gallo made some statements on her Facebook page a month ago in which she implied that the sad puppies were extreme right-wing, and that the rabid puppies were neo-Nazis. And as a kind of quick, I think somewhat flippant way of identifying for someone else what these groups subscribe to, uh, the publisher took offense to the statements and made Tom Doherty in particular, essentially threw Irene Gallo under the bus in order to draw attention from Tor, which failed miserably. Then, of course, threw Irene Gallo to the Wolves by opening the uh, comments section, which is over 300 comments strong I think at this point. And it was just basically a cluster of heck. And I do have a few things. I mean, first is, this was manufactured, um, honestly, I unless... I don't really think that the, the Sap Puppies, Rabbit Puppies, are really that offended by what she said. I think they expected it, and this is being, I think, particularly on the Rabbit Puppies side of this, being exploded outward into something far larger than it ever was, on purpose. I mean, Vox Day did say on File 7070 that he held on to this for a month, on purpose. And while some have interpreted that to mean that he held it so that he could take the Thunder Wave from the Nebulas, I don't know that that's true. It seems likely, it seems... And it is obviously, uh, uh, this is premeditated to cause controversy. On the other hand, I do disagree with her statement. Um, I disagree with it not in a hard sense. I disagree with it in a very light sense. Um, so I don't necessarily agree with the extreme right wing. I mean, the extreme part, I mean, it seems like an, I don't know, it seems like a term that we don't need there. It, it's not necessarily fair representation. In fact, some of the people who are set puppies aren't necessarily right wing, I still disagree with them, but they're not necessarily right-wing, and that's okay. Uh, I think that it's fair to say that the vast majority of the figureheads of this movement are right-wing, whether they're extreme right-wing, I I think that really depends on your definition of that, and I think that's a debatable thing, and probably just saying right-wing would have been enough, Uh, although that's maybe still going to be unfair for somebody who associates with the, the Sad Puppies and is not right-wing themselves. Although, to be honest, if you're associating with figureheads who are under a right-wing agenda, which is what's happening, and anyone who thinks otherwise hasn't been paying attention, I, I don't know. I find the the argument of being identified as right-wing while associating with the right-wing, uh, uh, finding that offensive or or wrong or whatever just seems silly to me. The other comment, though, she did say that the uh, rabbit puppies were neo-Nazis. And... While it may be true that there are literal neo-Nazis in the rabid puppies grouping, I don't know that that's true that they are neo-Nazis or that they are necessarily the figureheads of it are neo-Nazis. I think the problem with this is how we define neo-Nazi. Um, I said on Twitter that neo-Nazi and Nazi are different things, and that is true. Uh, the problem with neo-Nazis, I think that for the most part, we associate the ideology with just Nazis. We're just new Nazis, like neo-Nazi in its most literal interpretation of the term. It just seems to me somewhat inaccurate to the fact that you cannot be a Nazi and be a neo-Nazi by subscribing to many of its same ideologies. Uh, But I think, fine, we could split the hairs and say, okay, they're different things, whatever. I don't think Vox Day is actually a literal neo-Nazi, but I can understand why someone would make that assumption, given that many of his ideas are associated with neo-Nazi values, including his visions of women, his vision of people of color, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, whether or not Vox Day literally believes the things that he espouses, I don't know, and I don't really care if he does, because he says them. So, that's kind of my opinion on Iron comments. Uh, I disagree with the severity of the comments. She easily could have said that these people were right-wing and uh, some of them are misogynistic, etc. Uh, whatever. Be done with it. However, I fundamentally disagree with what the publisher has done. Tom Doherty threw under the bus and then allowed the wolves to pick at the carcass, and it just seemed to me that that was blown way out of proportion, was inappropriate to what had occurred, and we just... It. What benefit did they gain from doing this? I don't understand. I literally don't understand what it is they benefited from this because they were never going to convince the pups of any stripe. They they weren't going to ever convince uh, the pups to let this go. I mean, given how often Tor.com appears in their arguments, I just don't understand what they thought they were going to get out of this. So, and ultimately it just, it's one of those things where something occurred and it, it's been manufactured into something much larger. And I feel like Tor just kind of bent over backwards and went, and just took, so yeah, sound effects for people who might actually listen to this. So I think that's everything I want to say on that topic. And I just, honestly, I don't want to talk about it ever again. I just, I've, that's. I feel like that's the amount of effort I can put in. I mean, I could keep talking. But I could write 1,500-word blog posts about this. People have talked about this. And there's lots of opinions. You can go look at Chuck Wendig or Cameron Hurley or whomever. I mean, Tobias Bikel has an opinion on it. It's just... It's one of those things where I I wish we just didn't talk about it. We just pretended it didn't exist. But, of course, we can't because it's Tor. So... The other thing I did want to talk about briefly... And this is not controversial. Well, a little bit in the sense that uh, I think I've poorly conducted myself, there is an episode of The Incomparable coming up in which I'm a guest with Paul Weimer and Fred Kish, and we were there to talk about the Nebula Award novels and our opinions of them and those kinds of things, and one of the novels that was on there was uh, Charles Gannon's, or Chuck Gannon's, very interesting book, Trial by Fire, and I think I I didn't do a good enough job in my discussion of indicating how much I actually enjoyed the book even though I felt it was very flawed. In the discussion, I, I mentioned that I thought the book was a bit bloated. It's a bit long. It's over 600 pages long. And I felt like it should have been closer to 300. You could have trimmed a lot. Some of the descriptions felt a little bit, as you know, Bobby, to me. Uh, I said a lot of that kind of stuff. And I didn't spend enough time explaining that, though I felt the book was deeply flawed in certain respects, which... May just be an audience specific flaw, and not, not necessarily a flaw with the work, but more, f- not even a flaw so much as just that I'm not the intended, the type of audience that generally likes that kind of thing. Maybe that's it. But I spent more time talking about that than I did talking about the fact that I found the book a great deal of fun. Flaws aside, I love the wide canvas. I thought the characters were archetypal to a certain degree, maybe to a fault, but sometimes I feel like that kind of stuff is wonderful. It's okay to have archetypes, to have, you know, characters we can easily insert ourselves into. Sometimes even having heroes who feel a little too perfect, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. And and I think that's because I feel like diverse forms of engagement with literature in terms of what kind of stuff we read is actually a good thing. And I was actually really glad that I read Ganon's Trial by Fire because... Honestly, I, I read a lot of literary fiction uh or literary SF, SF that tends to be a little bit darker. It tends to be very nuanced and subtle and about, you know, the, the complicated, just murky world that is human life. And I think that's wonderful. I think all of that stuff's wonderful, too. But sometimes I feel like it's great to escape it, to go to an experience that is different, that is... Going Maybe going back to that golden age, if you will, of adventure fiction um, or whatever. And, that, and that's not to suggest that Gannon's book doesn't have nuances of its own. It has a very interesting political, I don't want to say message so much as a political element to it uh, in terms of what I, I think are allegories that Gannon was intentionally working with. Uh, 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 earth-based allegories, <laughs> obviously, because what, what allegories would there be that aren't earth-based, right? <laughs> but... I did find that it was a fairly straightforward narrative in a sense, and it was fun. It was about action and excitement and intrigue. It had a little kind of sp- almost not quite spy, maybe spy's the wrong word, more like, um, like, uh, you know, rebellion kind of stuff going on with like characters fighting against an occupation and kind of, in a sense, a little romanticizing in some parts and then kind of tearing that down in other parts. It was just a really fun book. And I didn't make that clear in my the incomparable episode, and I think that's just because I was a bit of a curmudgeon that light, in that night because one of the books I really did not like. And that rubbed off, unfortunately, I think, in my discussion of Gannon's work. Now, I don't want to suggest that Trial by Fire, for me, is award-worthy in the sense of winning a Nebula or necessarily a Hugo. I think that's because of the type of book it is. And that's not the kind of work that I personally want to nominate for those kinds of things or to win those things. That's me personally. I, I, people can disagree. And I think I'm getting to a point now where I just feel like, well, we just disagree on what is of literary merit. And that's fine as long as we don't scratch our, each other's eyes out. Whatever, right? It's all good. However, I, it made me wonder is why do we not have a, adventure fiction or military space opera whatever some kind of adventure based sci-fi and fantasy award that focuses on works like space opera works of the maybe grand old tradition you know adventure novels fantasy adventures those kinds of things because these works do deserve a certain kind of recognition they're entertainment right i mean we could we really do need a space for these where they can be recognized for what it is that they're offering And this is a work that I think would be perfect for something like that and should win that kind of award. But yeah, so, you know, if you're looking for something that's kind of military SF, a little bit... uh, It's not... I don't know if it's space opera. Maybe the first one was. This one, not so much. It's maybe more planetary romance, but it's really more military SF, I think, than what would be traditionally thought of as planetary or space opera. Uh, But it's a lot of fun. And it's got explosions, and it's got aliens, and it's got... I think folks would enjoy it if that's what they're looking for and I really do recommend it on that front. Um yeah. So I think that's going to do it for me. I got to go to the gym. Um I hope this turns out okay and everything I said makes sense. And if it doesn't, you can just scream at me because, you know, I don't have feelings or anything. I'm just a robot. So thanks for listening and uh yeah, peace out or whatever. You know, something like say something sci-fi. Yeah. Soma.